I want to remain in his will, whatever that is. Um, I've found that a lot of times when I make a plan, it's not always God's plan. I try to take things day by day. You know, what's, what, what should today look like, God? What do you have for me today? Then I also know there are people all over the country, all over the world who are feeling alone and scared just like I used to. And I don't want them to feel that way. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission Podcast. This is your host, Jay Evans, and I've got Blake Douglas with me. We're excited because we're doing our first online interview today. We've got Jen Hope with us. Jen, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing good. We're excited to have you on. You may have heard of Mom of an Addict before, or you might have heard of Recovery Rocks before. Jen is the mastermind behind all of that. Strong word. <laughs> so Jen, for somebody that don't that doesn't know who you are and what you do, could you give us the rundown? Sure. Um, I'm a mom. I know what it's like to be the mom of an addict. Um, I remember the years spent not understanding. Um, I'll also preface this with my father struggled with alcohol use most of his adult life until he died when he was at 54. So this is something I've been around, but unfortunately I did not understand it until my son had been using for a few years. So, you know, I just remember those days of not understanding the sleepless nights, the questioning what I had done wrong. Mm. And I just felt this, calling to let others know they're not alone. Yeah. So what is it that the organization Mom of an Addict does? We provide education and support to friends and families who have been affected by a loved one's substance use. And we do that by having support group meetings that are free. They are open for anyone to attend. And we have them online and in person. And we have an educational curriculum. People come learn about the disease, things they can and can't control, what are acronyms. You know, we have 20 lessons, which we are going to be expanding that. And then we have a time for sharing where people can sit together in a room with others who just get them, where it's safe to say anything because you're not going to be judged. Most people will likely kind of shake their head, raise their hand because they've experienced something similar. On on the note of people, what would you say to someone that maybe doesn't think they belong there or is like, well, my, my kid actually, they, they just have a small problem. It's, it's nothing. They, they have it under control. What would you maybe say to encourage them or to um, let them know that they have a place there as well? Well, our meetings are open. So, Anyone can attend, and I would encourage someone to join us, and maybe they can confirm, yes, my loved one does not have an issue, Um, or it it might go the other direction. But at at the end of the day, we just have to remember we can only control ourselves. Mm. So do you find that it's, it's beneficial for a lot of these people just to have a sense of community in this struggle? Absolutely. You know, we typically 
have the deepest connections in our life when it's due to shared pain. Mm. And, you know, back to your question, I can give you the numbers, I can give you the math, but it boils down to about half the population has been touched by a loved one's substance use. Mm. So maybe if you're not coming to learn information for yourself, you're likely going to have someone in your life who you can then refer to our meetings or maybe share something you've learned. So what is, what does a normal meeting look like? If somebody were, were considering coming to a meeting for the first time, what would they expect? Okay. Um, our meeting structure is the same, whether you come online or in person, we start, you know, there's just some mingling in the room before the meeting starts. And then we will have a, a welcome and an introduction. Then we either have our lesson or a guest speaker. Hmm. Following that, we have a time of sharing and support. Hmm. So there is there is a season of, of life where you are going through this struggle alone. What what is what is different in your mindset now than it was then with everything that you've been through? Well, I understand that someone struggling with a substance use disorder. It's not something that they choose. Hmm. We don't get to choose our genetics. I, I understand the stigma now Hmm. that surrounds it. I understand, you know, the components of the disease. I understand that it's, it's not a moral issue on the part of the person. It's not a, a parenting failure. We're dealing with a disease just like heart disease, diabetes, any of the EDs you want to name. Um, and I just understand the shame mm-hmm. that people experience themselves and their loved ones and, and that loneliness. And if we can let a small group of people here in our little corner of the world know that they're not alone, then we're going to keep doing what we do. And what were some of the, the things that contributed to that mind shift for you? Because it's, it's really easy to talk about those things in person and say, like, I know this now and I believe this now, but it's, it's another thing to believe something and live it out. Sure. Um, there was a, a pivotal moment in January of 2015 where there was an incident And I was in the uh, lobby of an emergency room. And I was sitting there alone. And I think it was kind of the typical, well, the social worker, let's assess the family situation. And Hmm. a a gentleman came out and spoke with me very briefly. And I always say I, I remember how I felt on the inside. So I can only imagine how frazzled I look on the outside. Mm. And he spoke with me very briefly before he paused and kind of leaned toward me, looked me square in the eye and said three things I will never forget. He said, you need to take care of yourself. I don't know if this kid's going to make it. You need to go to Al-Anon. And I remember the first two thoughts that flew through my brain were, he might not make it. And what is Al-Anon? So I went to a a 12-step family group meeting the next week. I can tell you where it was. 
I can't really explain who anyone in the room was or what we talked about because in that moment, it became very real to me that this wasn't just going to change and I had to figure out how to live my life. I felt like someone was backing up dump trucks continuously and unloading bricks on top of Mm -hmm. me. And then I had people standing on each side of me, smacking me in the face with the two by four. Mm -hmm. So I had to realize I've got to figure out how to live. I have been living. So I started doing some research on my own. I kept going. I, I started to learn what really was within and what wasn't within my control. I took a job working for a community mental health center as a um, an employee there working with folks. I got a lot of great training there. I went to class to become a recovery coach. I just wanted to learn whatever I could. And I even enrolled. I was going to get a master's in counseling. And it's not always how God works. Um, I was, there were a couple things that happened, but a, a friend of mine, we were having coffee one morning and just kind of talking about things we felt God was stirring in our life. And she just kind of looked at me and said, why are you going back to school? Well, I need some letters behind my name. Mm. So anyone would think I had anything of value to offer. And she looked at me and said, well, I think you have all the experience anyone you want to help cares about. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that kind of really set the next chain of sequence, you know, into action. That's powerful because we yeah. can get caught up with the letters after our name and, and what people think. I want to, I want to rewind a little bit. You talked about the things that are within your control and without your control. Mm-hmm. How do you make that distinction? And what are some of the distinctions that you've made that could be helpful to others? Well, I'm a slow learner. I will tell you that up front. I tried for a very long time. I thought, well, I'm his mom. I know what's best. I'll just need to tell him. And I got very good at it. Hmm. That didn't work. I, I thought I could run ahead of him or I could make him see how much he was loved and how smart he was. But that's not how it works. Hmm. Uh, He had to realize some of that on his own. And I had to realize that the things I was doing that I thought were helping weren't helping either of us. Hmm. And I slowly, very slowly came to the place where I realized I can't do this. Yeah. I had a, I do a lot of thinking in the shower. Okay. Shower thoughts. So you take a long shower every day. (laughs) Yes. And I always preface this by, I, I I didn't hear an audible voice. I I didn't see writing in the soap scum on the wall. Um, (laughs) But I just felt God saying to me, Jennifer, you spend your waking hours, which if your loved one is battling substance use disorder and you're still in the dark, you don't sleep much. So my a lot of waking hours worrying if Jake is going to live or die. And you have two other children 
and you have no more control over one of them stepping onto the street and getting run over by a bus than you do what is going to happen to Jake. Mm -hmm. And that was a crucial moment for me. I started changing my prayers Mm, to God put the people in his life. I finally accepted it wasn't me. Mm. And I feel like after a while of practicing that and being faithful in what I was working on, that God said, all right, you get it. Now you sit back and you watch what I can do. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, how is your son doing now? Today is a good day. Um, He had his 30th birthday this summer. He is finishing his third year of law school. Wow. Um, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I wasn't sure that he would have lived to see his 30th birthday, yeah. let alone be in his last year of law school. So I say God is still in the miracle business. Mm. Um, today is a good day for our family. Yeah. And I know that that's not how everyone's story is right now. Um, So I I don't want to make light of that at all. Yeah. Or. um, So how do you, how do you discover, or just to give practical advice, what is within our control? Because I have a loved one in my life too that's, we're very new to this. We've never experienced it before. We've never been in this season before. What is within my control? Because we've talked about making that distinction of there's, you know, I might not be the person. There may be other people in his life. But what is it that I can do for this loved one that's in my life? I think I'm, I'm reminded in this conversation of just the, the importance of prayer. Because we yeah. forget that a lot. Sometimes we, we treat prayer like if everything else falls through, then I'll depend on God and he'll, and he'll come through. When I, th- I think the idea of prayer should be, I'm going to depend on God. And if he doesn't come through, then I'm out of luck. So how do you, how do you make the distinction in, in those, in those seasons for people of what is within their control? And to clarify, God always comes through just maybe not the way we wanted. Amen. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a doctor yeah. or a therapist. I am a mom who shares her personal experience. Yeah. I've learned for me. The only person I can control is the one I see in the mirror. Mm. I can only control my actions, my words, how I respond or not respond to others or situations. And that's really pretty much where it stops. I think that's so powerful, though. The only thing I have control over is me. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to admit that. It is, mm-hmm. especially when this is someone you love so very much and yeah. you want to help them or fix it. And you, you can't sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I want to rewind a little too and go back. You had said God's timing uh, a while ago. And I, I just like to dive into that and really maybe use it more as an encouragement to others who might be going through something or, um, who have a loved one, they're not sure how to help. Um, 
how would you explain God's timing and maybe your life that then gave you the encouragement to go to others and say, God, God will come through. God will show up. Mm-hmm. You just have to be faithful. Again, you've, you've both mentioned it, you know, he always comes through and the answer isn't always the answer that my earthly mind mm-hmm. would choose. And I'm going to use an example that a very dear friend of mine gives. Um, her name is Donna Ray. She's actually our board president and she has been with us since day one. And I learned so very much from her about faith. Her daughter, Emily, passed a little over a month before I met her. Mm -hmm. And her faith is amazing. And it is inspirational to me. And she gives this example of how God taking Emily home was not what she wanted. But in life on this earth, we get to see just a tiny little piece of the picture and God sees so much more than we do. And he sees, you know, time infinitely. Yeah. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we have to trust that even though we don't understand here on earth, we're not seeing the big picture in one day. We might understand when we get to heaven. One day we might not. I, I, hmm. I you know, God is in control. I don't want his job. Hmm. And just having that peace, knowing that whatever happens is meant for good, even though we can't, can't see it sometimes. Yeah. That's that's how I have made it through the times when the answers we were getting weren't what I wanted. Yeah. I I wanted to go into that so then we can go into this next point because a lot of those we serve here, I would say their families, um, for lack of a better explanation, maybe have given up on them. They've written them off. They've said, no more. We're not going to put up with this. What would you say to those individuals who maybe have had to take that hard of a step to, uh, I don't want to say aid the one they love, but not allow or enable them um, by being a part of their life in that manner. What, what would you say to someone who's going through that that sort of struggle? Yeah, that, that takes us to the topic of boundaries, um, healthy boundaries. And we're never here to define what someone else's healthy boundary should be. Mm-hmm. But if we look at a, a boundary as a protection for us rather than a punishment for someone else Mm. that can help. And, you know, people have to make some tough decisions. Sometimes there's a lot of things that accompany substance use that are not pleasant, but if we remember or try to separate the person from the disease and the actions, I found I could still be encouraging and loving to my son without allowing him to live at home or giving him food or a car to drive. And that's hard because it, it's, it goes against our wiring as a parent. Yeah. 
So we've done a lot of a lot of looking back in this interview. So as as you look ahead and you think about maybe the future of mom of an addict or maybe just the future you what is what is mom of an addict doing in 10 years from now? I don't know what God has planned. <laughs> what do you want to be doing 10 years from now? I want to remain in his will. Mm. Whatever that is. Yeah. Um I've found that a lot of times when I make a plan, it's not always God's plan. Yeah. Um, I try to take things day by day. Yeah. You know, what's, what, what should today look like, God? What mm-hmm. do you have for me today? Then I also know there are people all over the country, all over the world who are feeling alone and scared just like I used to. And I don't want them to feel that way. So I let me hit pause there because I think that's awesome and that provides hope to people that because I'm I'm open about my struggle with mental illness and I think a big part of that is just being open about it encourages other people to be open about it and I I think it's really impactful that that you mentioned that you don't feel alone anymore because when we're in those seasons we can kind of accept that this is reality and this is going to be the way that it that it will always be. But I think for some of our listeners, and I can think of listeners that I'm going to send this to, that what they need to hear is that it's possible to get out of that season. And it, and it looks different for everybody. God's, God's plan and God's timeline is different for everybody. But back to, you know, we have control over ourselves, and that's about it. But there is hope. There is a light at, at the end of that tunnel that, that God does offer that in, encouragement. And he's, and he's with us through it. You don't have to feel discouraged and entirely alone. I think that's powerful. It, it helps me. Is that, there again. it is. Okay. I want to commend you because I think in today's world, even the secular world, when we talk, what are you going to do in five years? What are you going to do in yeah. 10? It's kind of an expectation that, oh, you need to have an, a knowledge. You need to have a vision for where you're going. And and you saying, I don't know, God, God's leading me and I, I'm just going to continue to follow his lead. And I, I know he's going to have me where he wants me. I think is one of the most powerful vision statements I've yeah. heard because you, you can't get it wrong then. Like, God never gets it wrong. So by saying, I'm just going to follow God. And if I'm somewhere else than this right now, that's great. And if we're right where we're at, that's great too. So I want to commend you that that's the first time I've heard someone have the, um, the guts, I guess, to say, I'm just following God. And I don't, I don't need to come up with that plan because he's already got it. Yeah. I I might just mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen, as, as we kind of close and land, land the plane, what advice today would you give to somebody that, that's in that season where they've got a loved one that's battling addiction and they just need a word of encouragement today? Seek out a group of people. Um, if it's our group, if it's another group, we want people connected somewhere. We can't change the situations that are going on around us all the time. But if you have people around you who understand and get you knowing that they're there that you can call or have coffee can really change. Just like you said, not Mm -hmm. feeling alone Mm -hmm. and knowing someone's going to understand. Yeah. And we can also, we can also be that friend. We can be that community to somebody else that's hurting as well. Mm -hmm. So Jen, I'm so glad we could schedule this. I'm glad Mm -hmm. we could get you on the podcast today. Thank you. 
Hopefully one of these days we'll, we'll get to meet up in person and maybe we can give you a tour of the rescue mission and hang out a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you for coming on and for sharing your wisdom and your heart behind this. Well, I don't know about wisdom, but I appreciate <laughs> you having me. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rescue Mission Podcast, we ask you to consider leaving a review, subscribing, following whatever platform you're on. We'd love to have you keep up with us and what's going on with the Rescue Mission Podcast. Thanks for listening.